0: Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm super pumped for today's episode with the one and only Ryan Holiday. Ryan is one of my favorite authors. He wrote a book called The Obstacle is the Way. Uh, He's wrote Eco is the Enemy, and his new book is called Stillness is the Key. And he's one of the best out there at distilling ancient wisdom in a way that is resonant and applicable with our modern day lives. I think you'll get a tremendous amount of value. He is prolific. Uh, he's knocking on 10 books now, and he's uh, still in his early 30s. Uh, he is uh, truly insightful. He has a, a great list uh, that, he, that he writes to called The Daily Stoic, and uh, I'm a huge fan of the way that he distills down these ancient philosophies in a way that are just really truly approachable for, for all of us. So, I was thrilled to, uh, to have the opportunity to have him on the podcast. I think we get a tremendous amount of value from it. Before we get into it, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by FORIA Wellness. FORIA is my go to brand for CBD, they have an amazing full spectrum CBD tonic that uh, I take on a daily basis. Uh, They have an incredible orientation towards quality, um, which is not necessarily commonplace in the industry. Everything is full spectrum, made in the U.S., third-party tested, and I take it on a daily basis because I find that CBD really helps me to sort of reset and stay in tune with um, my overall sort of mental well-being and keeps me from a, a place of anxiety. So along with all my other practices, meditation, you know, nature walks, etc., I find it to be a helpful tool in the toolbox. So if you want to check them out, I highly recommend them. It's foria, F-O-R-I-A, wellness.com. And if you put peak at checkout, you'll get 20% off your order. Again, foriawellness.com and put in peak at checkout this episode is also brought to you by thrive probiotic thrive is my go-to for pre and probiotics if you had an opportunity to listen to the episode with kieran Kishan, but i got tremendous feedback uh, they're at just thrive health and basically they're my go-to uh, for all things as it relates to my gut because they're clinically proven I've done a bunch of research, and there's a lot of, you know, probiotics out there that aren't necessarily optimal for your health. So I really recommend if you're looking for a probiotic to check them out. Um, they are all clinically tested. They have a huge orientation towards uh, science, and it's basically the best, one of the best products I've, I've discovered on the market. And I highly recommend it. So if you go to justthrivehealth.com and put in PEAK, you get 15% off your order. Again, that's justthrivehealth, code PEAK for 15% off. And with that, it is my great pleasure to introduce the one and only Ryan Holiday. All right. All right, my man. Yeah. So stillness is the key. Yes. By the way, which I'm sure you've heard before, but off school is the way. It was one of my... uh, it was a book that came to me at the right time. Oh, that's so cool. Um, my father actually got diagnosed with dementia and, and it was a less huge cool. personal challenge. Yeah, much less cool. <laughs> but that book helped me in the framing of like the challenge. So, gratitude for that. Well, thank you. Um, but this book, Stillness is the Key, I loved. And I wanted to start off, you have a quote in there by one of, uh, one of my favorite uh, humans, uh, Emerson. And it's basically, the essence of greatness it's the perception that virtue is enough. Yeah. And one of the things that I distilled from the book was sort of this ex- exaltation of virtue as is almost paramount. Yeah. Um, in sort of the Stoic philosophy, can you break that down for me in terms of is that is that correct that yeah. that sort of assumption? And if so, how would you distill sort of virtue for the modern 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 age?
1: So when we hear the word virtue, we tend to think. Uh, like Christian virtue or we almost have the, it almost has this connotation of like chastity. like yeah. it's like purity. And that's, I mean I guess part of it, but not really what when the ancients talked about virtue they were talking about. like Erte actually translates into sort of excellence. like it means human excellence. So it means there's a moral component to it, but there's also a greatness component to it, right? And for the Stoics, virtue, is a word that describes sort of sub virtues, right? So it's not like virtue is just this one thing. For the Stoics, the four big, the, sort of the four big virtues, call them the cardinal virtues, are courage, yeah. justice. So it's doing the right thing, uh, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, insight, and then moderation. So virtue is this kind of collection of those four. Is a uh, of those four bigger ideas. So when he says that virtue is enough. What he means is that what matters is that you you do those four things how they shake out or whether you get attention for them or recognition for them, whether you get rewarded for them is like secondary what's what matters is like is that the code that you try to live by it's so
0: it's it's ostensibly a call to the inner game it, yes. is in my discernment and and I feel like what I, what I love about what you bring is sort of almost like a modern day translation for some of these very ancient uh, and timeless, if you will, principles. Yeah. But something that f- it, at times for me feels, I don't want to say forgotten but um, the, the notion, for example, of enough, like virtue yeah. is enough, sure. right? Enoughness in modern, like 21st century, modern day living, we're built around, <laughs> yeah. we were built around the yeah. antithesis I'm, of enoughness, totally, right?
1: No, and I think you even, you see that now as a sort of grand political whatever is happening and, and we don't have to get into the specifics of who you agree with, to disagree with, but like there are these characters that pop, are popping up, whether it's Moore or Mattis uh, or, or whistleblowers or whomever, you see these people who are operating by like a code mm-hmm. like it's clear they have like this is who i am this is what i stand for i can't and i won't do anything else yeah and like it's almost like uh you can see how trump's just like what is that like you know like he doesn't and and i think the media can't understand it i think voters can't understand it. i'm sure their own families have trouble understanding it, but it's like what is this idea that like you won't do what's expedient you won't do what will get you the biggest book deal or get you the most attention you won't just go along to get along like what do you mean you're not gonna like like with mattis and again i don't think you have to get in the pot it's like it like she shocked truly like you're resigning on principle like what is that like everyone else was resigning because they were taking heat or because they disagreed like but no he was like i don't think this is the right thing to do you don't want to do it, so like, you deserve someone who believes. I'm not going to execute something I don't believe in. I'm out. Yes. And like, people are just like, what is that? That's crazy. It is, and it, it f- feels a little crazy.
0: Well, it it does, but yet it, it, it's so. I think because we've we've sort of moved into this brave new world where reality is reified anew on a daily basis on yeah. algorithms and fake news. Yeah, I think it's it's a harkening back. This is my yeah. interpretation to that which used to make us human, right? Yeah, which sure. to me, like humanity was based in virtue and values. Yeah, right? for values would be yeah. the way I describe it. And I feel like. Especially politics is, is one arena in which a lot of that's been sort of thrown out the window, and even yeah. the traditional tenets of, of parties are sort of being redefined anew. Sure, but but to that point, and I think this is the one of the pieces that I really resonated with in what you're bringing to the table in terms of sort of almost a modern day translation, not just of stoicism, but and as someone who studied, I actually literally lived in Sri Lanka and studied Buddhism for twenty uh, for right. two years. Excuse me, and. So you're taught you're bringing in sort of the, the 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 Buddhist worldview the stoic this this sort of stoicism this timeless wisdom which I feel like in this modern age right where it's like uh, you know there's there's a quote I can't remember who it was by but basically it says that like the world has changed more since 1992 than it did the previous thousand years I think it's actually t- McKinna yeah. um, and and it's and it's interesting because that's true yeah. except also nothing has changed exactly yes. So so break that down for me in terms of as you bring, because you're bringing this wisdom to sort of elite organizations and sees obviously the masses with your writing. But wh- wherein do you think the essentialism that is sort of these these traditional virtues reign truer than ever? And where, and this, may, this is a separate yeah. question, do you think we need sort of a modern approach to 21st century living?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, when you read the Stoics, they talk about... <clears throat> predestination and they, they're like, there's clearly have no problem with slavery. And, you know, like Marcus Aurelius is writing in a, in a sort of a hierarchical society in which like there is essentially no mobility or change. So when he talks about accepting your lot in life, you know, it, what, what was your lot, what your lot in life was, was far more cemented than it is now. Mm. But his fundamental argument that like, You only spend your time and energy on things you control, that's a a looser definition that does apply today. So you know when he's saying, like, look, I'm the emperor, I didn't choose to be emperor, that's my lot, and he's like, you're a slave, you don't choose to be a slave, that's your lot. Now that doesn't work, that doesn't translate fully. But when he's saying, you know, there's no use complaining about things you don't control, that does, you know, sit with whether you're short or tall they're a man or a woman like you know the 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 more in in changeable parts of life like the i think i think the the stoics and the ancients nail it i mean one of the interesting things is because i I primarily write about stoicism but i definitely explored buddhism and some of the more eastern schools for this book is that like one of the benefits stoicism has today which is ironic because i think you could argue the eastern philosophies are more popular in sort of our group um is that we live in a world made by the West. So what's a more actually compatible set of values and virtues? Yeah. Like like, our roads are like the length, or our roads are typically the width they are because like, blah, 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 blah blah, That's how like wide Roman chariots were, right? Like, right. like We live in the world that Marcus Aurelius and his ancestors made. and we live in a political world, you know, we don't live in a world where, uh, our, our world is much more similar to Marcus Aurelius's world than it is to say Confucius's world mm. or Buddha's world <clears throat> they're not that they're totally incompatible but the point is what i love so much about stoicism is that it's not an, it's not an abstract philosophy it's not a theoretical philosophy it is not a disengaged or detached philosophy it's like literally like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and John Adams were like talking about the Stoics as they as they crafted this country. So we live in a world defined by those values. So I think it works really, really well.
0: I agree, and I think there's also something so timely about this call to stillness amidst the in the age of distraction, right? Perpetual distraction, literally like reforming probably of our brains in terms of like how we're so stimulated. So let's get into some of those because you you break it down. I think almost you you basically provide ostensibly a roadmap to stillness. Uh, for modern living in, in the way that I discerned it. But what, what can you break down some of the principles for those that are listening of, uh, of achieving stillness?
1: So my argument is, I think we know it's, I don't, I don't really think it, pr- particularly for your audience, I don't think we need to define stillness. I think you sort of, you know it when you 100%. feel it, you know it when you see it. But my argument is that it, you get there in three different ways. Or that, that it's gotta be attacked from three angles. So one is the physical. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the environment that you're in. That's the habits that you engage in. That's the activities you do. That's the movement you're making. Uh, the second is is spiritual. So, um, you know, what sort of demons do you have going on inside? What, what sort of spiritual practices do you, do you adhere to? How's your temper doing? You know, what sort of traumas are you reacting to or have experienced? And then the final is the mental. So this is, um, you know, how you direct your thoughts, the sort of voice racing in your head. So I tend to find when people think of stillness or they talk about stillness, they're mostly just talking about the sort of meditating mental side of stillness. So they're like, empty the mind, you know, like, uh, focus on the breath as if that's going to solve the, you know, uh, dark depression that you feel from your horrible childhood. Or if that's gonna if that's gonna be enough to satisfy the fact that there is nothing and like no that you think that you will get to uh happiness by by the things you accomplish in this life, right? Mm -hmm. And then the third part is like also what good is this if your house is overfilling with, you know, garbage you've collected, if your habits are, you know, uh horrendous, um, if you have no outlets for any of your, you know, so, so I'm sort of like, how do we attack it from all these three and like very deliberately in the book, I don't talk about meditation Mm -hmm. because I feel like one, there's like a trillion books that tell you how to meditate, but also I feel like meditation is maybe not the place to start for most people. I, I relate to that.
0: Well, I mean, I I have a big meditation practice, obviously one of my audiences as well, but I I think you know there's obviously the dis, even the dis, the word evokes a certain you know for example when I mean, we were talking about politics earlier you know when I go back to the midwest when I talk to conservative relatives now the stigma's slightly yeah. less sure. but it still evokes this almost like a religious like pseudo religious yeah. connotation sure. and I what I like about stillness and also frankly as someone who strives to be a bridge builder amongst yeah. a, a wide swath of of the population I think your call, clarion call of using, for example, well-known athletes, right? Yeah. Like Tiger Woods and, uh, you know, the baseball player went from the slump to the six and six yeah. in one game. I mean, t- I think that that's something that universally resonates, right? Because sports is such a p- part of our common ethos. So I, 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 like, I like the sort of making tangible the principles yeah. in the context of, of figures that everyone can relate to.
1: And I sort of fell into that style. I mean, I was a research assistant for Robert Greene, so I, I certainly learned from, like, a master on, like, the power of story. Mm. But as I was riding obstacles away, my, my thinking was, like, okay, I want to talk about this sort of stoic philosophy. I want to teach these lessons. And I was just sort of fooling around with different ways of doing it. And I don't know how, but I just locked in one day to this idea of, like, just illustrating it with these sort of short stories about sort of famous or well-known people, and it just... It's just you get sort of get one of those moments where things click and that happened and and I think what it is is like and and sometimes like people are critical of the books and they don't sort of totally get what I'm doing. If you want just the philosophy, the originals are super accessible and really good. So that was my struggle in writing about Stoicism. It's was like, I'm not gonna say this any better than Seneca. Not only did he, not only was he a brilliant writer, but like it, he's had two thousand years of like, the survivorship bias, like it filtered, you know what I mean? Like the, just the good stuff is there. It's like distilled down to its total essence. Right. So it's like, there's no reason for me just like, I'm not going to take something that someone is saying that's very clear and just re-describe it to you. Like that, what's the point of doing that? So I was, it was like, Oh, maybe where I can add value is illustrating what these ideas mean through stories particularly to people who are not interested in... Like, they don't think... Like, people go, well, why... Did, I like, I'll like i see this on the end. And they'll be like, well, why should I read The Obstacles Away? I'll just read the original Stoics. And it's like, please do. Like, <laughs> this this is not... I, you're not who I'm writing for. Like, right. let's... You and I have a conversation about the original Stoics. That's what I love, right? I'm not reading my own books either. That would be weird. <laughs> you know, like, I'm writing this book for the person who, who does not have does not only do they not have interest, but more importantly, does not think they can read, uh, anything from Confucius or Buddha or Marcus Aurelius or Epictetus, who has trouble even pronouncing the names, right? Like most people don't wake up and think like, I need to have a meditative practice in my life. They don't think like I'm going to explore ancient philosophy. They go like, I hate my life. You know what I mean? Or like, I'm really sad or like, uh, Some, like, I want to leave my job, and I'm really scared. Or, you know, like, they have problems. Yes. And I feel like both gurus and philosophers have done uh, the power of their profession a grave disservice by sort of not making their ideas accessible to those people. Like, people do not wake up and think about philosophy. They think, I need a solution to my problem. And it's like nobody's bothering to go like, hey, we have 5,000 years of really smart people coming up with strategies to do precisely what you're struggling with. Uh, I totally resonate with that
0: notion of, because you have to bring people into the house. You know, it's like people get fixated on, well, what about the nuance of this room? It's like, yeah, but first you got to bring people through the door. Sure. And I think what you're doing is bringing a, a wide swath of people through the door. And I think what's also poignant for me at least was, you know, I think we have a tendency to romanticize certain qualities of certain figures and sort of, you know, history is oftentimes written, you know, with a particular worldview, oftentimes by the victors. Um, and we could we could go into that whole narrative. But yeah. basically what I what I found was fascinating is and in some ways disheartening yeah. as a lifelong Bulls fan, you yeah. know, you're yeah. like the Bull the, the Jordan Hall of Fame speech, I was like, Wow, you know, I hadn't really thought about that, yeah. like in terms of how anger had fueled Jordan and in, in, in his career. But, but also, like, the Kennedy, like, that, I think, I mean, Tiger Woods as well, but the Kennedy distinction of, like, hey, here's where stillness literally saved, likely, you know, millions and millions of lives, sure. and, and, and probably altered history forever, and
1: yet, there he was not without his, without his uh, uh, faults. I mean, that was another thing I learned from Robert Greene was the importance of doing sort of both positive and negative stories, mm-hmm. that you don't just teach people examples of them living by the principles but you show the costs yeah. of violating the principles um but yeah it's, it's interesting the, the other part of like how i've tried to do the books is, is is thinking like oh um philosophy is not this thing you do one time but it's like a ritual it's an experience like if you think about what marx realist is doing in the meditations like it would have he would have been doing it in a moleskine in 2019 <laughs> and it was the, these big scrolls and stuff then but like he was writing to himself. He like it, it wasn't writing a book. Yeah. Uh, he was writing to himself. And so when, like, when you read critics of meditations, it's like, well, it's repetitive. There's a lot of quotes in it. He you know, doesn't really explain, he uh, you know, doesn't address this or that. There's all these omissions. It's like, yeah, he wasn't thinking about you. He was thinking about this is his meditative practice. Yeah. This is his meditations. right? Literally, it's called meditation. And, and what he's doing is, is going over the material over and over again. And so what, what I think, I again, accidentally chanced on with the three books and then also with Daily Stoic is that, oh, if you can make books that allow people to dip in and dip out of them, depending on what they're going through, you're actually servicing the ideas much better. So like most books are designed for you to read them from you know, cover to cover once and then you put it on your shelf primarily as dedication Mm -hmm. or sorry as decoration but like what i wanted to do in these books is is tell stories and then people can go reread those stories or it can be a thing where you read it once a week or daily stoke you read every day like it's the engagement and the re-engagement with the material that's really powerful and and so people are not set up to do that normally and so that's kind of how i tried to write the books and I, i think um, so when I see people's copies and they're just like, all these pages are folded and it's like, but there's different color highlighters. and I'm like, that's exactly what you want as an author. It's like, this book has been woven into the fabric of their lives. It's not like, oh, I read this business book because I, you know, I heard it was popular and then I moved on. Yeah. Like, um, and then I guess the other thing uh, you, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned stories. Like, I think the other thing I think about is like, and it's, an, it's another weird criticism. People go like, oh, but like John D. Rockefeller is like a bad person. How could you tell a story about him or, you know. And and they, I think that's another thing that like when you really read the ancients, they're, they are doing the equivalent of that. Like mm-hmm. they're talking about Alexander the Great, who's sort of like the Michael Jordan of his stuff. Like, they're, like they're, what I love about the Stoics, and I think this is why the Stoics land for us a little better than the East... It's like, we know all the names. Mm. Like, we're like, oh, Homer, Achilles, Marcus, like, you know, even Marcus Aurelius. Like, I've, just, I've heard that name. We have this sort of vague familiarity. Meanwhile, if you hear, like, uh, you know, uh, Confucius reference, some other, you know, Eastern, you're like, I don't know how that's pronounced. I've never heard this person. But if you live in China, this is a totally, you have a different relationship with it. But yeah. I, I try to, I try to, I try to meet people where they are, which is like, I want them to have a base familiarity with the thing that I'm talking about because then they're able to get the lesson more clearly because they're like, I did see that YouTube video or I did watch him hit that home run or like, yeah, John D. Rockefeller, he's like one of the richest men ever. Like that seems cool. You know, like you want, you you totally want to meet people where you are and you want to give them the information in a way that's likely to stay with them.
0: Yes. What was... I was, in sort of doing my research, I was, you know, obviously your personal history in terms of going back American Apparel, you know, one of the great, you know, great marketer, now gentleman who's living on a farm outside of Austin, Texas, yeah. right? That, that, that is, it's quite a juxtaposition seemingly. Sure. sure. Um, and, you know, at the end of the book, you, you sort of, you know, go into the sort of chop wood, carry water, which I, which I, which I very much resonated with. But what was, what was sort of the a a personal, I don't want to say necessarily epiphany, but in your process of writing this particular book, and obviously you've written several that have done very well, but what were some of the great insights that you've sort of rediscovered for yourself or applied in your own life as it relates to stillness?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I've got two young kids and one of the things you learn having kids is just like, uh, it, it forces you to be sort of present and do nothing in a way that almost nothing else in life requires you to do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we're just going to sit here until you fall asleep. Or it's like, we left that, like, we, uh, I think David Brooks was talking about, he said when he had his son, someone sent him a letter or an email, and they said, welcome to the world of unavoidable reality. What they meant by that is something I've experienced. It's like, you drive, okay, you're like, you're supposed to be at the lunch at 2. So you get in the car, you leave at 1.00. And then your kid falls asleep at, at like one forty, like you're not arriving at two when it's starting, you're arriving when your kid wakes up, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like you're no, you're, you're not in control of what you do unless you want to have a an angry screaming kid, you know, for the rest of the day. And like, you can't, you're just like, Oh, what I'm doing now is just sit literally sitting in the car, do, wait, like waiting for watching a person sleep. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. And you have no say in this, right? Like you made your decision, you have no say in it now. And like, this is wonderful. Like this is this that's what parenting is. Parenting is not, you know, packing school lunches and like, you know, parent teacher conferences. It's like waiting for them to wake up while they sleep in the car or whatever it is, right? And and so not only is that sort of wonderful and, and forces you to be present but it, it, it's, like, a, just this reminder that, like, you're just straight up not in control. And, like, there is, it's it's easy to lose track of that in life, particularly as you become successful. It's, like, and where you work for yourself. It's, like, no, I decide what I do. And, like, no one gets to tell me what to do. And I design my life. And it's, like, you know, there's there's not... It, it, typically the only things that pierce that bubble are like the really bad things. Like somebody gets cancer or, mm. you know, somebody dies or you fall and hurt yourself. Like that, that you have those moments. And so ideally you would not, those, those don't happen. But so this is just a, I think it was just a big, uh, like one of the things that made me want to write this book and, and was a big, was just the wake up call you, you go through having kids. You're just like, wow. I was like, I was not only sort of rushing through life, but like I was delusionally convinced of how much I was in control of things. Mm. Yeah. That, that that hits me. I mean I'm not quite yeah. I'm not yet a parent,
0: but one of the things that, that struck me in the book, you talk about, for example, routine. prep, yeah. you, you just sure. evoked obviously presence in the context of parenting. Um, which in a way I can relate to, unfortunately, as I with my father now okay. in, in terms of what it requires to be born forth in me um, but but to the point of, of so freedom I would say is one of my core values right yeah you know, something I you know have exalted my whole life which autonomy. is what yeah autonomy, autonomy and yeah. like being sure. an entrepreneur and all of that that said what's been interesting is as I move into what are my deeper values right? right and I look at what I would say sort of this notion of fun and fulfillment right yeah and I think there's there's fun that's just absolutely fun but you may not 3 years from now be like oh that was you know that sure. was like that sure. was a great deposit into yeah. my life and then there's fulfillment which i would put maybe like for example for me as someone who does value yeah. family yeah. but has yet to create one is like okay there's probably certain sacrifices sure. that would come to in order to create that deeply fulfilling yeah. aspect which won't always be fun but the fun that will come from that fulfillment will yeah. be more intrinsically valuable than just like, I'm just gonna make this up, but like going to Coachella, you know, yes. like something that yes. has, yeah. it is ecstasies. And you mentioned, you talk about that, and it was, that was a, a, a huge, it was like kind of an aha for me. And it's something that I've unconsciously been entering into, but like the virtue of routine, for example, yeah. which I would, intellectually think of as antithetical to freedom. Yeah. But actually, like, you talked about Churchill, for example, and I really, I was like, man, I had no idea. He wrote, like, I can't remember was, 50 yeah. books or 40 books, <laughs> and like, yeah. painting and, like, did, like, 2.300 yeah. speeches wow. in addition to his world leader yeah. duties. And I was like, wow. And you, and you broke down his routine, and I was like, wow. Like, there is, yeah, of course, there's the ecstasies of pursuing experience, and I think in the modern age, we're always seduced by, and I think in some ways that is, you know, there's almost like an experience economy. You know, I think we we met for the first time at Summit and it's just like, what's the next thing on the the tour of like epic experiences? And I think I have in the past become seduced by ecstasies, like the ecstatic experiences, but am now seeing (coughs) the virtue
1: in the mundane, if you will. It's interesting. I was, I I talked to this about some, uh, with some of my friends where it's like, you meet these people and they're like, they don't have a job because they're like self-employed, they work on the internet. They're not in a relationship. Yeah. Uh, they don't have an apartment because they travel, and so they're they're not close with their families, mm-hmm. right? So they're basically like untethered from the world. They're just floating. They're like drifters. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? They're basically like drifters. Yeah. Like the They're not home. They're not poor. You know. They're not like hobos riding the trains, but they kind of just like blow from town to town and like. Yeah, you're see, they're like, oh, you're at Summit? This is awesome. This is, like, the one event I'm at this year. And they're like, oh, really? You're not going also to, like, Davos and uh, you're not at TED and you're not at... The, like, you're like, I think you just go to conference to conference. Yeah. And, and so you're, like, I think... I'm sure those are meaningful experiences, but, like, I'm not sure that's what the kinds of experiences humans were designed to have. Mm-hmm. And so I think the... I think it's exciting, but it ultimately leads to a kind of emptiness and, a, and an unrootedness. And 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 so I, I think, yeah, I think what routine is, is a way of getting some roots or structure. It's discipline, but there's still flexibility. I mean, like that was, that I think the first step for me was like, okay, I got to have routine. But then like all things, you take it too far. So this routine becomes like, Rigid order that I'm putting uh, around my life. Hmm. I remember that there's a New York Times reporter named Alexandra Alter, and she w- did this small profile about me for the Times when Ego came out, and she was like in my house, and she was showing showing her like my sort of journaling thing, and she was like, "What time do you do this?" I was like, "I always do it in the morning before I start or whatever," and she's like, "Your wife's pregnant, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "What are you gonna do then?" or something. And I, was, I, I remember, I was like, well, I'll still have, like, 15 minutes, you know. And I think I, there's a Tony Robbins line where he says, like, if you don't have 15 minutes to yourself in the morning, like, you are not free, yeah. you know. And she was like, well, just wait until your kids come. And she's totally right. Like, because now this idea that you get to insist on the order that things happen in is, like, delusional, right? So, like, this sort of Western structure order, I think, breaks down. Like, you can, you can be that parent that's, like, you know enforcing almost military order on your family but i don't think that so so i think but i sort of swing to the other side i I like the idea of like okay these are the rituals i do every day like these are kind of the touchstones that i have but i can shuffle the deck Mm. do you know what i mean like like oh i was like i'm traveling well maybe i'll just do the journaling on the plane when i get there or Mm. you know like uh like when i When I'm at home, I like to exercise in the afternoon after I've written, like after I've done my work for the day. When I'm on the road, exercise is the first thing that I do in the morning because I'm in less control of how it goes during the day. So like I got up this morning and I was in the pool like five minutes before I woke up or five minutes after I woke up. I would never do that at home because home I'm much more, you know, I'm not running around doing interviews, right? right? And so... I think what I sort of pivoted, it's like, I think you get routine from the West and then I got this sort of flexibility of routines, Mm. plural from the East, that it's like, these are the things you're always trying to do. These are like, like for me, like a good day has exercise in it, it has, uh, journaling in it, it has writing in it, it has a walk in it, you know, things like that, reading. But like the idea that I'm going to determine what order these things happen in is like a bit, uh, uh, presumptuous.
0: Yeah, I, lo- I love that shuffle the deck. I, yeah, I, I actually have never heard that before, but I, I just it, it up. It makes uh, it makes total sense because I think that is that we get we get so attached to prescriptions. Yes. you know, like yeah. it has to look like and like I do have a morning routine, and yeah. when I think routine, I think that's where I think okay, I'm setting up my day. Yeah. You know, with the win of the morning, if I do that right. Yeah, and I know with other parents that I've spoken to, that is the sort of if they can awake before their children, that yeah. is the sort of of there's like a sanctity to that morning. And you mentioned Tony, uh, you know, that priming, right? Where he talks about like ten minutes. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You anyone can find ten minutes. Yeah. But I just felt I, I feel like it's, it's actually helpful because sometimes then if you're so rigidly attached to that prescription, then you feel like you've lost if you don't hit it in the morning. But if you can shuffle it later in the day, yeah. I think that wins. Like I
1: think about Russell Westbrook. He's like this intense guy routine, your teeth. Yeah. And he's like this. And he's, so he's been at the same team for like eight years. So he has like a parking spot to use. This is the practice court he does. He's blah, 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 blah. But then he wakes up one morning earlier this year and he's fucking traded. You know, am I ludicrous? to curse? Yeah, uh, fine. It's he's fine. traded. So... That now all of a sudden, that stability and that order, is now that was a, such a strength, is now a weakness because it's fragile. Okay, so I
0: want to touch on that. Yeah, because I think. So there's this notion of resilience. You know, I mean, we can talk about just change. So one thing that has changed in modern day life, right, is like, even within within a generation, like even my father's generation, there was still this sort of 30 years gold watch kind of context. Whereas now, by the end of 30, most people have worked 12 different jobs, right? Right. So so we are moving into a context of, let's call it more frequent transitions, which make things like routine more challenging. Um, Almost more important, but harder. Exactly. And then you, you also said something, and it's going to seem sort of distinct, but I think they're related. Where you talked about, you're on a book tour, right? So yeah. I imagine life for you right now, I imagine this was not your, oh, I, well, I know for, yeah. a, for a fact yeah. this was, I'm not your only interview, so they can say I'm Breakfast yeah. Club. But um, but like, it's probably, your life in this moment is probably very different from, say, your routine on yeah. your farm. Um, so I think what's interesting in using that sports analogy is there's also seasons in life, right? Like yes. there's an off season and then there's the playoffs. It's and not- I would imagine right now you're in your playoff season, Yeah. but when in considering whether you look at things seasonally or you just think about the shifting nature of time in our modern day lives, yeah. how do, how does stillness, I mean, it becomes more essential, I would argue, Right. but like, how does one, uh, almost pivot given the resilience that's necessary with transitions?
1: Yeah, no, I think you, you you have to get good at transitioning. You have to be okay with it, right? Like, you can't be like, well, this is how I do things, this is how I want things, because that you're not going to get that, right. right? Like, you have to be, this. You, you almost have to have a routine for when you change jobs, yeah, right? Like, because yeah. it's going to happen. Um, and I feel like I've done all my books with the same publisher, and so there's a little bit of that even. It's like, what is it like on the other side? Was it not like? You can get used to doing things a certain way, and this can, on um, the... The positives of the stability are the downsides of the, you know, fear or anxiety about what change is like, you know, Mm. so I don't know. I mean, one of the, one of the things I think that's so important about the kind of stillness that I'm talking about is that we're not talking about the stillness of a 30 day silent meditative retreat, you know, we're not talking about the stillness of an ashram in India. Like I'm sure those are wonderful. I'm talking about the stillness of... Uh, the car picks you up at 9am and you get back at 11pm and you just went from thing to thing, to thing, to thing, or, you know, I'm talking about the stillness of like back to back to back to back conference calls yeah. or the stillness of you are supposed to fly to this city and it was supposed to, but you know, this plane was delayed and then that plane was delayed and now you're taking a car to another airport. Like how do you have stillness in that, um, Because that's where you need it. Because if you don't have it, you're going to lose your mind, right? Hundred percent. And and almost the, it's like the more you're doing, the more complex and exponential it is when shit goes sideways. Mm -hmm. And so that's when you really need it. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's like,
0: and it will go sideways inevitably, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Murphy's law. What can go wrong will. But it's like. Uh, you know, my parents are flying from here to here. They're like, oh, we'll get there two hours later. When you're busy, that's rippling through. It's like, now you can't do this, now you can't do that, now you can't do this. That's gonna cost you X because you have to can't, you know, like, and so you have to, you have to cultivate a practice where you can just go, what really matters is now I have 30 extra minutes between, like, I thought I was gonna take off at one, and now I'm gonna take off at one thirty. What am I going to do those 30 minutes yeah. you know what i mean i can spend i can i can spend them angrily yelling at the counter attendant i can spend them stuffing my mouth with a cinnabon you know i can spend them uh w- you know w- watching uh the news on the tv in the airport yeah or i can decide like i'm gonna sit here and read or like i'm gonna walk for 30 minutes or i'm gonna call my grandmother you know what i like how are you going to use that time And do you have the stillness and the discipline and the strength to go wash it away and come back to that and decide, like Robert Greene, he he gave me this thing, I use it all the time, he said, alive time or dead time, what's it gonna Mm. be, right? And that's true whether it's like, I got a year left on my deployment or I got 15 minutes before the meeting starts, like how are you gonna use that time? And I don't think he means that in the like, let's cram it, you know, let's cram in some more productivity. He means like, what are you going to do with this piece of your life? Are you going to waste it or are you going to experience it?
0: Yeah. I've been, I've actually been doing my own sort of audit or assessment of that. Um, I feel like I've, you know, I've definitely gotten better. Uh, but you know, I was just like, I just, canceled my netflix because i was like okay you know i'm not like crazily watching movies but like and it was interesting reading the book it's like somehow reading obviously feels like a deposit you know whereas there's like a withdrawal and like the momentum more like this notion of using death as an impetus for living right which you which you evoke in the book as well obviously in stoke uh kind of core tenant but i've been thinking about that where i was like okay right like I think it was last week. I watched a movie, granted I hadn't seen for years, but I watched it for the second time. And as I was then wa- running on the beach, which did feel like a yeah. deposit, totally I was like, deposit. I was like, okay, hang on. Was watching a movie now for the second time. You know, it's not like the end of the world, but it's like, granted, like that was just dead time. Like to use the green analogy, like I don't feel like, I don't feel like, you know, and if I had stuffed my face, you know, like we all, we all have moments where we like, and it's not to say you can't have a checkout, but it's just to say, I want to do, I want to be more intentional with how I'm, instead of spending, I'll put investing my time because I want to have that exactly more fulfilling experience.
1: um i i carry this coin in my pocket no way. what is, is it memento mori oh wow and then uh these are the the sort of the, the three themes in in vanitas art of of life death and time and then on the back marcus really is quote is you could leave life right now let that determine what you do and say and think i love this and i i i, I wear it on a ring so i'll, I'll give you the coin but thank uh, you but the, one of the one of the most powerful—it's not on the point—but the one of the big biggest reframes I got from the Stoics, Seneca—he's talking. Seneca talks about death all the time. Yes. And and you think it's morbid, but I think he's talking about it in terms of like seizing the moment. But he says, the problem is that we think we look forward to death, like not like we're oh, I can't wait to die, but that we think that death is in the future, yep. right? They're like I'm gonna live to seventy-five. I'm 32 now, that's how many years I have left, death is in the future. And he was like, no, death is now. He's like, death is time ticking away. So as the second hands on your watch are going, he's like, that time belongs to death now. Mm. He says, we are dying every day. And I was like, oh, fuck, that is totally (laughs) different. So it's not not like, oh, I have uh, 40 plus years, what will I do with those 40 years? it's that I've already died 32 years. yeah. Um, and, and how much like, you know what I mean? If you heard someone died 30 years early, you'd be like, oh my God, that's so much, you know, like, and so I, I, I think about it that way that, that, and this, this helps me make decisions because like I'm talking to someone about this, this morning, if you told me like, okay, Ryan, uh, you hate doing X, mm-hmm. but if you do X every day, for an extended period of time, you build a company around it, you can sell that company for $20 million. Then you can do whatever you want or whatever, right? right? I, I think that what the philosophy would help, I'd, I'd certainly be tempted by this offer. I think any normal person Sure. Would. But what I try to tell myself is, one, how do I, like one, how, how can you prove this? But two, uh, am I willing to die for seven years? to maybe get to do what I want at the end. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, so like you go, you don't think like, oh, I'm working towards this thing in the future. You go like all that, all that you know for certain is now. And are you, how close to you now, how close are you now to the life that you should or want to be living? So like people go like, you know, in the future I want to do X. I think more like, here's what, here's what my day is supposed to look like. This is what I want my life to be. And I try, and I've got it, right? And I've got it not because I'm successful. It's, I've got it because I rearranged things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like people go, "Oh, it must be so nice to have a farm." My farm costs uh, what uh, my studio in a my my the farm that I own costs uh, less uh, than I was renting a studio apartment in New York City. Right. Do you know what I mean? Totally, like totally. This is not you know, and like, look. I'm, I'm doing great compared to my neighbors who like you could, you know, like, yeah sure. So, so what, but, but the thing is, I figured out what I want my life to be and I designed that life. And now when I make decisions about whether I'm going to do X or, or, you know, accept this offer or go over here, or travel to this place, or be friends with this person is like, does it preserve and protect this mm. or does it take me further away from that? So you're saying, Ryan, you have your life, but you can go do the opposite in your life for seven years, then you have enough money to go back to your life. Yes like that's all of a sudden that sounds preposterous. But that's the exact trade people make pretty much day in and day out. It's
0: you just so hit it on the head. It is, it, there's that story which I won't go fully into, but where the, it's like the Mexican fisherman, where it's yes. like the, the wealthy American comes down. And it's like, man, if you did this, you could scale it, blah blah blah. And then he's like, and then what I would ever do? Oh, yeah, that so you'd you be know doing that you can do that
1: story is like five, six hundred years old. I didn't know that. That's that that story originates. Well, some of the reason these things go viral is that that's it's, is it Thomas trying or something? What whatever. Uh, there's like a, uh, a Christian. Um, I talk about him in the book, but he's like a Christian monk or saint or whatever. He wrote this book uh, in like 1500, 1600. And he tells that story, exact story, exact wording, all the beats. But it's about like a king speaking to his minister. And the 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 minister's like, why are we attacking France? And he's like, because we have to conquer France. And then we have to conquer this, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, well, what will we do at the end? We will live in peace. Like you'll yeah. get right back to exactly where you are. Yeah. And that's the... That's the hamster wheel that most of us sort of unthinkingly go on. And I think the other interesting thing is we don't, and I've, I've had the privilege of doing a, a privilege slash opening experience of meeting lots of really, really successful people. People who have sold a hundred million books, people who have, you know, made hundreds of millions of dollars, of you're like, oh, they're not like good. Like, like they're great people, but like, they're not like I did it. I'm good. They're still on the same thing. So it's helpful to see that because you're like, oh, okay. This idea that if I can get to here, I'll feel good yeah. is a Balancing. preposterous, preposterous lie.
0: It's so up for me right now because uh, what I just we were sharing before we started rolling cameras that I've been working on this book. Yeah. And I was, over the summer, was invited. I had met a woman um, in that group invited me to this trip. Long story short she, I, I had this idea that I've been playing with for a while, and she's like, I'd be willing to, uh, I'd be willing to fund that. You she yeah. says she's, a, she's heiress to a significant fortune. And it was interesting for me, because what came up was like, wow, okay, this is amazing. Like yeah. all this, I wasn't yeah. pitching her, it was just an yeah. idea that we were sure. talking, like, as you and I would yeah. talk, but she had the power to, like, yeah. make it real. That, 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 that idea, without going into great detail would be more of like the vc style yeah. lifestyle right yeah. now um and i'm not like in any way exalting i mean you're an author you're a new york times best-selling author you know i sense that you're passionate about what you do but i also sense as this just gets a guess based yeah. on like you know obviously I would love to be a New York Times best author but I don't think if you get there should you be lucky enough to get there all of a sudden you're like wow I made it right it's like you're well, you're I'll... continuing to write more books you know <laughs> like you're de- you're still in this drive
1: but all uh, so the obstacle is the way it came out yeah in uh, 2014 and it sold well like yeah. it sold enough copies that it, it debuted on the Wall Street Journal list no no sorry didn't debut on any bestseller list uh, didn't de- debut on any. And uh, then ego came out, and it sold enough that it should have debuted at number one on Wall Street Journal, should have debuted on the New York Times. Suspiciously, it was like not on either list. So th- that's the other thing, and, and the reason that it's it's not just like hey, when people do, when people go like my dream is to win a Super Bowl, when I win a Super Bowl, dad will be proud of me, and I'll be good. Right. Some of them are lucky enough to get it. Yeah. And turns out no, it's, it's not how it works, right? Because all, all of a sudden you're thinking about, wouldn't it be so cool to win two Super Bowls? or Tom Brady has this whole handful of rings. rings like, i got to do exactly. that. Um, but what about the people who get those things stolen from them? Like, you're Drew Brees, and your season is stolen from you with one bad call. or And then you get right back at it this year, and your season is stolen from you from one bad injury, right? Yeah. Like. It's it's not just like hey these things turn out to be empty, but even if they didn't, you don't control them. So that's a it, that's that can't be the goal, right? And and so it's just people, we just do it to ourselves over and over. I don't want to say it's like people do it and I don't, but we say like if I get this,
0: if only I get this, I'll be happy. Where it's yeah. like it's which you evoke in the book it's like it's actually the beingness that. From which whatever the thing is, it's like your experience of it. Not like you, if you have that experience, like Michael Phelps used as an example, right? It's like that you know best in the world could probably still crush golds left and right, but he literally burned himself out, right? Yeah. Um, you know, for me, the quandary that was evoked to sort of tie tie that up in a knot was like, okay, do I want to build? And I built before a company and, yeah. you know, it grew and it even grew after I left. You know, now it's like more than 100 employees, you yeah. know? It's a nonprofit, profit and, it, you know, it's done well. But, you know, there were periods in time, luckily I love the process, but like, you know, you're where you're crushing 12-hour days in New York City and you go from five coffee meetings to, you know, yeah. seven more meetings. It's like you're working all the time. It's like, yes, if you love that, but also at what cost right like as you said to sort of use the the, the 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 and what is that life and is it aligned to that which I want to create right knowing that it's actually the chopping wood carrying water that's yeah. the reward not the whatever Super Bowl equivalent is at the end
1: well look I so like I've written these I've written these books and like there is a part of me that's like what like I'm like on the drive here I'm working with my agent to negotiate the whatever I'll sell the next one for yeah. right and so like there is that part of me that's like, "What's the next one? I want it to be more. I want it to be sure. bigger." That's 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 part of the this. That's part of what makes you successful. I don't think you can be successful and have no hunger. Yes. Right. Like, and that's why, like, having you know, people doubt you or you know, people not totally make you feel unconditionally awesome when you're young can be a somewhat of an advantage because sure. you have, it fuels that hunger. Yeah. But when I think back to the books that I've written, it wasn't that hunger that was making... That's not why The Obstacle is the Way worked. Right. The Obstacle is the Way worked because I so deeply loved the philosophy that I was writing about that I lost myself in it. And for days and days and days on end with no reward, I I wrote that book mostly in New York City. I went to the... I trudged to the New York City Public Library, whatever the weather was... I sat on my laptop, I sat at that table and I just wrote, you know, and I had no idea whether I was making progress or not. And a lot of the days sucked, but like, that's, that's why it's good. Do you know what I mean? It's because the, 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 the reason the works work is because they, it's from the stillness, not from the, the restlessness and the insecurity and the insatiableness. Yes. But we, we go, oh, this person is, insatiable and look how successful they are just like and i talk about this in my ego book we look at kanye west and we go egotistical one of the greatest rappers of all time those two things must be related it's like no they're totally they're totally independent variables and in fact the the talent and the love of the music is constantly fighting off the ego which is in his case like always this close to just turning the whole apple cart over you know what i mean totally um, so I, yeah, it's a, we we often confuse causation and correlation. Yeah, what's correlation, like, and causation? Yeah,
0: what's interesting is like yeah, like obstacles away. I mean, as, as I understand, it's now a million copies, right? Like it took five years to like uh, eventually like it, like it, it wasn't like it wasn't like you did it. You did this big tour, and all of a yeah. sudden, it's like ah, even yeah. in spite of all the like grueling work. But I so respect because for me, it played. I mean, I, and I think that's what that's what one hopes for. I think, and that's the virtue, right? It's like this legacy of creating something that is in service beyond, and you actually speak about service towards the end of the book, right? It's like, what is it to do good work regardless of the, uh, 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 yep. a dividend of result? Because that,
1: because the virtue of it is a reward in and of itself. Yeah, and look, so Obstacle hit number one on the, on the Wall Street Journalist this May. So it took five years, yeah. and it hit, and like it was a total surprise. Like I was working and my agent texted me and said, hey, it happened. I was like, whoa, did, had not even crossed my mind that it might happen, that it was going towards there. And so it was nice, but it was also nothing. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it (laughs) also, it changed nothing nobody threw me a parade right it like you called me a new york times best selling author that's not even true right like uh, like for whatever reason they never hit it but the point is like what i take from that is is like nobody fucking knows the difference like because it's a meaningless distinction yeah you know and so we but but we imbue them with so much significance and we project on them that it will make me feel what i need to feel and it's like it's never going to do that but you may get flashes of it from the craft, Like yes. you may get flashes of it. You're never going to feel great the day your company goes public, blah, 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 but you might walking through the, you know, walking through the office on an evening, you see all these people working hard, contribute Like you, you might get it just walking through the building one day. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Totally. Uh, and, and so the idea that you're going to, what's easier? Like you can get that feeling anytime. You just have to open your eyes to it. But, but we tell ourselves no. It's only when I get on the other side of this hill or I climb this super tall mountain that's when I'll feel happy and fulfilled and content.
0: Yes. Um, what what are you finding is bringing you that contentment in this playoff season? Oh, like during the launch. Yeah. So one of the things I you mentioned
1: I, swimming, I think. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you got you you stick with the routine exactly. now more than ever. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things like. Like, uh, it was actually weird, I was talking to my wife about this, so I don't have, like, social media on my phone, and I've been really busy with the things, and I've been trying. Did you used
0: to when you took it off because you found you're spending more time on it? Yeah,
1: Yeah. and I, I really found it, like, particularly in vulnerable moments, like, like, when you're like, is it good? Is it working? Yeah. But, like, it was, it was actually a weird experience, like, I was, I was, like, I don't know if anyone's, like, I was actually, like, a little bit, not lonely, but I was just, like, I, I don't know what's happening. You know what I mean? Like I was so caught in what I was like, I was so caught in just showing up, being present for the interviews, and I was working on other stuff that I was like, I don't, it's not that I need it, but I would like to know like, hey, like it did, some people got it, right? Like just like the package did arrive, right? Right. right. uh, But what I I think about now going into launch is like, look, I'm a human being. So the idea that I'm, that I'm never going to get to where he gets, where you're totally indifferent, Mm. you know, like where, where you don't care about it at all. To me is like, uh, maybe if I get another hundred years, you know? So I don't think about it in terms of like, how can I, but I go like, how can I take as much of the success off the table before it leaves my hands? Yes. So like, let's say I got to 70% or 80% or 90%. It's like, I know it's the best book I was capable of writing. I know I said what I wanted to say, you know what I mean? I know I didn't compromise. I know I didn't cut corners. I know I hustled my ass off in terms of the sales. I know it looks the way that I want it to look, blah, 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 blah. I, I, I should get sales numbers Tuesday or Wednesday, probably Wednesday this week, and then times maybe Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Those will will matter to me, but only in a very circumscribed little box. Yes. It will not be, well, I thought it was great, and now you had the power to tell me that it's not great. Exactly. You're holding whether or
0: not the world validates that which you hope to be the case, so to speak, You are already holding the space within yourself of like that, you know, for example, I know stillness is the key. This has already been a value for me, like hugely valuable. Sure. I I have a feeling it will become a New York Times bestseller, but whether it does or does not, you obviously... Hold hopefully within you the virtuous joy of knowing that you birthed something yeah. through hard will, labor, chopping wood, carrying water that will be of value to a great number of people.
1: And I control the the really good news is that that part you told, like Marcus realizes, uh, uh, you know, insanity is tying your happiness to what other people say and do. Yeah, you know, well being is tying it to your own actions. Like I, all that part, I was you know ninety percent in control of. The other one, the other, do you know the word land? yap? No. So it's, I forget how it's spelled, but it's, it's, uh, like a Cajun sort of Frenchy word from New Orleans, but it, it's, it, it means like the, the little extra something, it's like the 13th donut, right? Like that's it's <laughs> yeah. like the baker throws in an extra donut yeah. and you're like, sweet. The baker's doesn't. Yeah. Ask. So, so it's, it's, uh, that's the, like, I want, I want the external success to be that. And this is actually, you wouldn't think mm. like. The, I'm, I'm bouncing all over. But this actually is a very Stoic, a Stoic concept. So Seneca, like, originally the Stoics are like, virtue is the only thing that's good, everything else is, like, bad, and you shouldn't care about it, right? And so they, they were like, is that really true? Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and so the, Seneca comes up with this idea, he calls it preferred indifference. So T-S, not E-N-C-E, right? Like, he goes, like, things you're indifferent to... But if you have a choice, you'll take. Yeah. So he's like, it's better to be, like, he's like, a philosopher doesn't, you know, a philosopher can be a philosopher whether you're rich or poor. A philosopher can be a philosopher whether you're, you know, experiencing horrible tragedy or not experiencing horrible. But he's like, the preferred indifferent is like, I'd rather be tall than short. Sure. I'd rather be rich than poor. I'd rather be handsome than ugly. Yeah. If you have a choice, you like, of course, you wanted to sell a trillion copies, sure. and you wanted to win all the awards, and you want to hear from all these people who said that it changed their life, but, like, I also, I know objectively, it's the best I was able to do, and I know it did what I set out to do artistically, so, like, that's that's the full twelve donuts. Yes. Then the the thirteenth donut is like oh look at all this. Yes. That's what you want to get. Really hard to do. I I've, I've done it you know nine times now with books and obviously I've launched other things. You 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 get you can inch your way close. Like it 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 matters. If it's ridiculous to say that you're not going to care. You're like I don't care what you know. Uh, it matters. Sure. Right. But. Uh, you want to get there, you want to get to a place where it's like, you don't need it.
0: Yes. Well, I, I want to say, Obstacles Away, I mean, now stillness is the key. I want to ask everyone to go out there and, and pick up a copy of this book. It's, Thanks. it's truly, truly, uh, a beautiful read, man. I, 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 read it on my way to New York. Um, I think I actually told you when we met, uh, this was years ago, but, um, obstacles away was is, is literally one of my favorite books and this is knocking on the door i really really uh feel like you bring timeless wisdom um to our age which is is i think now more necessary than ever in, in a variety of way for a variety of reasons but um but definitely recommend people go pick this up where can where can folks find you uh, online
1: So, obviously, everywhere books are sold, the books are, uh, I'm at Ryan Holiday pretty much everywhere. Um, If you're interested in the stoicism stuff, uh, the best place to start is DailyStoic.com or just at DailyStoic on Instagram and other places. But, um, yeah, man, thanks for having me. This was really cool. Yeah,
0: it won't be our last conversation. Ryan Holiday, man, appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. And there you have it. Absolutely loved my conversation with Ryan Holiday. He is an incredible author, one of my favorites, and really recommend his writings. I find it to be an incredibly helpful tool to have these reminders about ways in which we can really tap into our stillness. Um, if you're enjoying the show, please go ahead and uh, leave us a rating and review on iTunes that helps us build the community and get out there. It's my mission to get this message out to as many people as possible and your ratings and reviews mean the world to me. Um, any feedback can always be given to me. I'm at Michael Trainer on Instagram and uh, really just grateful at the way this community is growing and all the feedback that you've given. So, It's my great pleasure to keep bringing you these episodes. I truly love it and uh, I couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much. Please go out there and live your inspired life.